It's Tuesday the 5th of November and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, pollution in India's capital reaches crisis levels, schools are closing and a rule is now in place restricting when cars are allowed on the roads. We'll look at just how toxic the city's air has become and what can be done about it. Plus, the owner of British Airways buys Air Europa. Why the future of transport in one US city is uh, golf carts. And our affairs editor Christopher Cermak looks at whether Emmanuel Macron has lost his momentum. I'm Ben Ryland in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. The air in New Delhi has never been famous for its cleanliness. The past few days, however, have seen pollution reach dangerous levels. Flights have been diverted from Indira Gandhi International Airport. Schools have been closed and curfews are now in place restricting when drivers are allowed on the roads. Somnath Butterbile is a lecturer in media in development and international journalism at SOAS. There was an amazing um, photo op which the chief minister of Delhi did recently where he was handing out masks to children and he thought he's not really realising what the problem is. Five million masks were distributed over the last week. The Supreme Court called up the government saying that their effort is absolutely lackadaisical and has asked them to get in um, experts for a hearing immediately. Now, certain things which has to be immediately done, you know, there's a long-term plan which the government needs has not been coming up with. But 46% of the pollution in the air, apparently, is from crop burning. This has to stop immediately. So that can provide an immediate releasing of pressure. There are long-term implications, of course, infrastructure, automobiles, industries, um, what you allow to build, where you allow to build. But those are slightly longer-term conversations which the government has to now realistically start with. But the immediate thing is law enforcement. States keep passing the buck. You know, um, the centre says it's state because Delhi is now a state. Uh, and Chandigarh and Haryana doesn't want to comply because a huge amount of money comes from these big farmers. So there's a farming lobby which tries to protect. So vested interests get in. But the situation is beyond anything imaginable now. It's the middle classes who push agenda. But the, the middle classes will be, uh, you know, um, slightly put in difficult circumstances, they can't use their cars, they can't use their air conditioners, we'll be asking them to make some sacrifices. So there's this playoff which constantly happens. Having said this, there is no issue in the last 20 years which the newspapers, the television and the magazines have covered as consistently and, and, and actively as environmental degradation, especially in Delhi, because um, judicially there has been a huge amount of activism in this front. Um, the journalists have constantly uh, tried to uh, raise awareness. So since the 90s, till about 2010, there was a huge movement in uh, bringing pollution under control, in making diesel, diesel cars illegal, not allowing trucks and lorries at certain times. So it's not that we have been oblivious to it. But unless it's led by government policy, these all fall short. You know. um, so, for example, from the mid-90s till about 2000, as diesel was outlawed, there was a huge improvement in air quality. But the sheer number of vehicles increased so much that that was mitigated. So there's, it just plays off against each other. And unless, as I said, unless backed by strong government action, this will not go away.
Back home to London now, where the owner of Britain's national carrier has snapped up one of Spain's major airlines. British Airways owner IAG announced yesterday that it's buying Spanish carrier Air Europa for 1 billion euros. The airline and its 66 planes will be added to IAG's lengthy portfolio, which already includes Spanish flag carrier Iberia, Barcelona-based Vueling and Irish airline Air Lingus. Serving 69 destinations, Air Europa's purchase bolsters the company's ability to compete for European travel to Latin America and the Caribbean through Madrid. The move comes at a challenging time for airlines, with rising fuel costs, the grounding of Boeing 737 MAX fleet and pushback from environmentalists against short-haul flights in particular. Yet Air Europa already serves 11.8 flyers annually and focuses more on long-haul, where global passenger numbers continue to grow, so it shouldn't be hard for IAG to make a return on their latest investment. The practicalities of golf carts have long exceeded the world's putting greens. The gentle hum of these famously slow-moving vehicles will be a familiar sound to anyone who's visited an airport, film studio backlot, or indeed Disneyland. But if one US city is anything to go by, we may yet be at the mere dawning of the true golden age of golf carts. Monocle's Nick Bonis is here. Nick, I'm already confused. Uh, the citizens of St. Louis, it seems, have reportedly teed up quite a peculiar transport solution here. Yes, so the, the neighbourhood of Solard in St. Louis, it's, it's just, it's, it's really close to downtown, it, and it's basically sandwiched between the Mississippi River and the Interstate uh, 55. So it's this nice sort of little pocket of the city, uh, quite a famous uh, historic neighbourhood. They've got a beautiful farmer's market, sort of taverns on every corner. They host the Mardi Gras. It's a very pedestrian and walkable neighbourhood. Uh, but to conquer the last mile there, so that, that's sort of the debate that, that all cities are having at the moment. And, and how do you, you know, I guess, journey along those those short distances, those little small trips. And they've, they've decided on golf carts as the best option for it. And, and, and people are zipping around, and they've been doing this for about 10, 15 years. People are zipping around that neighbourhood in golf carts to get to the grocery store, to go and see friends. Uh, and, and I guess the result is that we're not seeing scooters or e-bikes take over, over the streets there, but rather golf carts. Uh, It's a rather strange idea, but then at the same time, it does sort of make sense, I suppose. People who have rather large properties often turn to golf carts to take them the short distance from one part of the property to another. That's not unusual. Uh, It is somewhat unusual to see this inside a local neighbourhood, though. Is it merely that the golf cart offers some sort of practical benefit that other transport, well, perhaps even more modern transport solutions, just don't? Yeah, I, I think it's the whole thing where you can pack multiple people on the golf cart at once. Lots of them, there's no energy output required from the user. So I think as humans, we're inherently lazy. So maybe that's quite appealing. But but I, I do think there's something good in that these golf carts, I mean, obviously... I think I prefer walking as as the least complicated, possibly the healthiest solution for moving around these sorts of neighbourhoods. But I think the golf cart is potentially better than, like like I mentioned before, the scooter or the e-bike because it's quite clear that they don't belong on the footpaths. We're going to see them on the streets. There's already sort of regulations to help control slow-moving vehicles in most states in the United States, and I'm sure in, in most countries around the world where this might be appealing. So I think there's a little bit to learn from it, and, and I think it's quite quite exciting and quite fun. Nick Moniz, I'll let you jump on your golf cart and get back to work. Thank you. 
And finally today, Monocle's affairs editor Christopher Cermak issues a report card on the French president's past performance. Monsieur le Président de la Banque Centrale Européenne, cher Mario Draghi. Monsieur le Président de la République, cher Sergio For a leader Madame who built his soft power brand on uniting Europe, France's Emmanuel Macron has had a mixed few weeks. First, he angered many EU allies by blocking the start of EU accession talks with Albania and North Macedonia potentially destabilizing the latter, which had been on a strong run since settling its long-running name dispute with Greece. Then, in an interview with right-wing French magazine Valeurs Actuelles, he said he preferred legal migrants from Ivory Coast and Guinea to illegal clandestine networks coming from Bulgaria and Ukraine. The latter two countries, Bulgaria, an EU member whose citizens have a right to live and work legally anywhere in the bloc, and Ukraine, a membership hopeful whose citizens have been granted visa-free EU travel since 2017. Both promptly called their French ambassadors in for an explanation. The brash comments are jarring since Macron has long sought to be Europe's de facto leader. Bulgarian President Rumen Radev was quick to note the irony, saying Macron will find it hard to achieve EU leadership with such unmeasured comments. There is, however, one reading by which Macron's comments seem less contradictory. Could the French leader be quietly developing his own brand of nativism? The nativist argument runs something like this. A deeper and closer European Union, yes, but only for the EU's most promising and developed, red, Western, members. In some ways, Macron has been making this argument for years by pushing for a, quote, two-speed Europe, where some countries integrate faster than others. Such a stance might also help him at home, where he needs to fend off the looming far-right sentiments of Marine Le Pen and her national rally party. But popularity in France comes at a price. Is it worth further dividing Europe to win another election? Our affairs editor Christopher Cermak there. That's all in today's program. You can read and subscribe to our daily email bulletin at our website, monocle.com. I'm Ben Ryland. The Monocle Minute returns on Wednesday.